2: Good morning, New York. This is the Cats Roundtable, John Cats. with here Sunday morning. One great, great show for you today. Governor David Patterson, Congressman Peter King, Paul Zuber from the New York State Merchants Committee, and what's going on in our city and our taxes. We have Alphonse D'Amato, one of the greatest senators we ever had. He's not happy about Rudy Giuliani. And then we're going to have Rudy Giuliani... We're giving Rudy a chance to talk, explain what the hell is going on, and let's start off the show with Michael Stoller on Real Estate Report.
3: Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I have a dear friend, a successful developer, operator of real estate in the metropolitan area, Joe Farkas, the CEO and founder of Metropolitan Realty Associates. Thanks
4: for being here. Great to be here, Michael. Thanks for
3: having me. We have, you've been on many of my shows and we've spoken at seminars and symposiums. And we talked about that right after 9-11, you went into business. Let's talk about that and how you compare the world of
4: of 2001 to today. Interesting. Goes back a a long way, almost 23 years. So when I started in the business, there was much less institutional capital in the world, uh, competing for deals. Uh, Pricing was obviously much lower, competition Uh, for deals was much lower. And we were able to find and pick off select uh, transactions that we really liked. Fast forward to today, there's a plethora of capital, private equity, institutional um, and family offices, as well as just very wealthy individuals all vying for deals, um, driving pricing you know, beyond points where we think that the returns are worth the risk and it makes the business much more difficult.
3: Right, but in your specialties, your specialties would include warehousing, industrial, retail.
4: And self-storage. And self-storage. Sure. Um, I, I don't think the story changes much at all. There's so much competition for deals and the institutions are all, you know, vying for places to put their cash. So it makes it competitive. But in terms of the market, and its ability to function right now, way different than in 2001. Capital from, you know, the debt side of the business has dried up considerably. Equity is on the sidelines. So doing business today, putting aside who's, you know, competing with you is, is very challenging.
3: Now, a couple of months ago, everybody loved industrial. I think people still love industrial. But prior to the show, you were mentioning to me that it's getting harder to lease industrial property. What's happening?
4: Well, first MRA still loves industrial and we own quite a bit of it. I think the the commentary is more on as you note the leasing side of the business where people went out bought a lot of a lot of existing product, bought land to build new product thinking that there was you know a tremendous amount of uh pent up demand behind the Amazons of the world and I think they're finding out today that there aren't as many large users really looking for enormous, you know, spaces and the market has changed and slowed. So have rents dropped? Uh, I think rents have peaked. I don't think that there's going to be, you know, a tremendous push backwards, but you're not going to see in the industrial business, like the last three to five years, 10% rent increases, you know, year over year. I think those days, you know, are over.
3: Now, you also said to me it's taking longer to lease property today.
4: Sure. I think that um, that's a fair statement. Tenants who are looking for deals, looking for new space, they're taking their time. They're they're not rushing. There isn't that, that panic of, if I don't lease this space, there won't be another piece of space that I have to lease. And there's another new project that's coming to market. Let me wait for that to come to market and see if I can make a better deal. So people are taking a step back and... Trying to assess their their opportunities a little more. What closely. about the
3: financing opportunities?
4: Financing is out there for good industrial transactions with solid partnership and uh, financial backing. Uh, we just completed a big deal uh, for an existing industrial lease that uh, industrial building that we signed a very long term lease on, and there was banks stepping over each other to try to do so that. That type business. of deal, exactly.
3: What about the more speculative the ones I, that?
4: I think you run into trouble when you're trying to finance a vacant building. When you're trying to finance speculative development, you get north of ten percent for um, for interest rates. I think it gets a little bit thinner, you know, in those in those areas. What about retail? Uh, retail is coming back strong. Uh, we're spending a lot of time in the boroughs looking for. You know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll make this comparison where I. An old industrial building, a multi-level loft type of property, may have run its useful life. Um, We've seen pricing come down. We've seen landlords trying to get out. They don't know who to lease those buildings to. And we're coming to the table with real retail tenants, major grocery uh, store operators who are looking to get into the boroughs. They all want to be in the boroughs. We're representing two national Firms right now looking for seventy thousand foot stores in the boroughs, and that's a great use for a property that's really run its run its use right. It. And it's uh, and there's a dire need. Dire need. Okay. More more supermarkets are a good thing right now. So now what do you it. see for two thousand and twenty-four? I called the bottom of interest rates on November fourteenth. I said we're done. Everything's going to recover from here, and I think. Although SOFR has gone up a few bips since that time, I think interest rates are definitely settled down. I think that you're going to see, I would say, end of first quarter. We're going to see our first drop in, in rates. And I think that we could see a 100 basis point move by the end of the year. And I think once that starts to happen and takes hold, I think transactions in the industrial business, in the retail business, in the self-storage business are, are really going to take off again. I think people are really just waiting to get back into the market. A lot of dry powder on the side. Let's hope
3: that happens. And I'd like to thank Joe Farkas for being here today. Of
4: course. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China. And full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month
5: free.
4: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts?
0: Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and Beat the Stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. With us
2: today is uh, former Governor David Patterson. Uh, Governor Patterson, uh, tomorrow is Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas.
0: And Merry Christmas to you, John, and to your whole family and everyone listening.
2: And may we have a healthy uh, 2024, and may the world change a little bit in 2024 so we're all a little bit better off, and the world is a little bit better off. Uh, What do you want to talk about this day before Christmas? Well, you know, there is an understanding that public
0: officials can be educated in public. In other words that you take a position, maybe different information or data comes in at a point later on, and you might change your point of view. So when I first came into office in nineteen ninety five, I was totally against the whole concept of charter schools. I changed that position years later because charter schools can be a really good laboratory for improving the public public schools. So I think we saw an example of this uh, during this week, and I was a little surprised. It was that Governor Andrew Cuomo, taking another look at congestion pricing, has basically decided he's opposing it. Now, the congestion pricing started actually as an idea of Mayor Bloomberg started in 2008. He had a press conference with myself and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger from California, where they had worked on it. And in 2011, when I left, uh, Governor Cuomo uh, picked up the. you know, the effort, and stayed with it until uh, the time that he left. But look at what's changed since then. First of all, the uh, economic sovereignty of the city is pretty much the same as it was before the pandemic, but it is not uh, coming directly from Manhattan as it had before. The other boroughs in the city are doing a lot of business these days. So that would be an argument against it. Secondly, the central business district of 34th Street to 59th Street isn't doing the same amount of business that it was. And so asking people to pay $15 for cars, $24 for uh, tr- uh, trucks, $36 for big trucks to go back and forth, it's really going to cause a problem. And the third issue that really is a problem is a lot of people are not living in the city. A lot of people are working from home these days. So you wouldn't be able to get the revenue from them traveling back and forth between the central business district and the rest of the borough. So and, and the office buildings,
2: I, the, the office buildings are in trouble because they're not nobody's coming.
0: The office buildings are in huge <laughs> trouble, and I can't understand. I can't walk two blocks without seeing a construction uh, site, and I don't know what they're building because I don't know who's going to stay there. But the you know, uh, Governor Hochul. Is a big champion of congestion pricing. Jana Lieber has gone as far as shutting down some criticism that was uh, not accurate against it. And uh, actually, I would hope that if they do institute it, that it works. Need it to work. But the warnings from people who are taking a second look at it and saying that it might not work need to be listened to as well.
2: I, I agree 110 uh... percent. Uh, And what I've said to the governor and I've said to the mayor, uh, right now Manhattan still has one uh, nail in the coffin. Let's not put a second nail in the coffin, and maybe we should uh, postpone it for a few years, and when the economy gets better, then we can reconsider it.
0: Yeah, and interestingly enough, there were a number of people at the time when it was first uh, proposed Mayor Bloomberg wanted to come to Albany and meet with the assembly because they were virulently opposed to it. I kept trying to arrange that meeting, but uh, the uh, late speaker, Sheldon Silver, wouldn't allow it. And so even in the best of times, it's a controversial issue. But the fact that um, someone who was right at the center of it and takes a second look at it now uh, that he's out of office, uh, I think is healthy and people who – don't agree, should go right ahead and try to demonstrate to uh, the former governor, Andrew Cuomo, that he's wrong. But uh, <laughs> they were saying when some of these news stations were scratching our heads. Why do you scratch your head? Because someone has an informed view and has changed their position from what their view used to be. For goodness sakes, if there are huge. Uh, Examples of people changing their position in American history, probably the greatest, was the biggest segregationist in the country, George Wallace, going to black churches and apologizing years later after integration worked very well in the South. So if he can do it, I think anybody else can and be uh, not uh, criticized, have their character criticized, but uh, lauded for the fact that they even take an interest.
2: I agree 100%. Uh, Anything else bothers you? I mean, I know we had uh, uh, Eric Adams in the the studio or or on the phone the other day, and I think it was on Wednesday. Uh, And uh, all these new laws that the city council wanted, he's supposed to uh, veto. Um, what, What say you on that? Well, he does
0: want to veto them. What's interesting is that because this was an election year, He'll be dealing with a different city council if he does veto them, because we'll be in 2024 in just a week or so. And it will um, the the issue of the requirement that the police uh, file a lot more data on what their activities are when on duty is something that the mayor has said he's going to veto. Um, <clears throat> he has 30 days to figure out if he wants to do that. Interestingly enough, the speaker of the city council, Adrian Adams, was pretty uh, forceful in saying that a lot of what people are saying the bill does, it actually doesn't do. So the idea that if a person asks a police officer for directions, that they have to write that down and submit it in a report, apparently is not in the bill. So I am looking forward to getting a copy of the actual bill. Because I believed, based on what a lot of people said, that they were actually, in other words, every time a cop had a conversation with someone, they had to write about it. And uh, uh, as Mayor Adams did say, that if that were the case, it would be the worst use of police, uh, 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 law enforcement than th- that you could even imagine and would totally reverse the drop in crime that we've experienced or at least were experiencing up until a few months ago. And so this is, I think, an issue where both sides have got to be brutally honest about what the interpretation of the bill
2: is. Governor, there's no drop in crime. There's a drop in arrest. People, police officers are not arresting uh, criminals because they, they get to go home before they, the paperwork is done.
0: <laughs> well, then, then things are worse than I thought.
2: Yes, yes, they are. Well, Governor Patterson, tomorrow is Christmas. Let's pray that the world gets better for all of us, especially in New York City where we live. Thank you, John. Thank you. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. Someday at Christmas... see a world where men are free yes what is today is sunday morning the day before uh uh christmas i can't believe it's christmas already we have congressman peter king and uh, peter king uh, merry christmas and uh i can't believe uh tomorrow's christmas
6: now merry christmas to you john it's really been some year and you're right <clears throat> i guess we're almost at the end now at christmas Christmas is supposed to be a joyous year, a season, part of the season, and we have to make it a, a joyous. Uh, despite all the troubles that there's been in New York and the country over the years, especially this year, we have to find a way to really enjoy the spirit of Christmas, make it part of our lives, and help us overcome some of the sorrow and sadness and anger of the last year.
2: We have so many problems in the world. Who is the uh, uh, the... Secretary of Defense that once said uh, Biden has not done anything right in, in four decades.
6: Yeah, that was Secretary Gates. He said that uh, basically every foreign policy decision that's had to be made over the last several decades, Joe Biden was wrong. And there's something to that. Uh, I mean, actually, there's a lot to it right now. I mean, uh, no matter how anyone feels about the war in Ukraine, the fact is there was no war in Ukraine. When Donald Trump is the president, uh, President Biden supports Ukraine, but is reluctant to send in the weapons that they need. Then you have Israel, where he says he stands with Israel. Then on the other hand, he's saying that Israel is bombing indiscriminately, which plays into the hands of uh, Hamas. Uh, with China, we're not sure what he's doing as far as Taiwan and China. He's sending mixed signals. And then here in the United States, like John, last week and uh, actually I guess it was this week still—in— uh, Colorado, where the Colorado Supreme Court, by a four to three vote, uh, is taking President Trump off the ballot, saying under the 14th Amendment he was guilty of insurrection. Now, I'm hopeful that the Supreme Court or the United States will overrule that. But when Joe Biden was asked about that, he basically said, yes, that President Trump was guilty of insurrection. Now, I think what President Trump did on January 6th was wrong. I think he was uh, negligent. uh, But there's no way that he planned that. There's no way that uh, he wanted it to happen. I think he uh, was—unfortunately, he was slow in responding. But that's not insurrection. That's a riot. That's uh, uh, terrible conduct by those who are doing it. But there's no evidence that President Trump was involved in arranging it or in uh, keeping it going. And uh, and also, in Washington, D.C., where the uh, special prosecutor is, uh, he has not indicted President Trump uh, on charges of insurrection— And so he's been not even indicted anywhere, nowhere convicted, of course, and yet a court in Colorado has decided that he was guilty of insurrection in Washington and using that as an excuse to keep him off the ballot. I think this is dangerous. And for President Biden to say that it was insurrection, we could say that Kamala Harris and others, even the president, uh, if you want to use that standard, were guilty of insurrection when they were not critical enough of the riots following George Floyd. In fact, Kamala Harris is putting up bail money. The rioters. And when we saw riots around the country, then they were taking over police stations and city halls. So this is a dangerous precedent. President Biden should not have joined in and said that President Trump is guilty of insurrection. Now we find, John, that the uh, legislators in New York are talking about taking President Trump off the ballot. On well, California, Michigan, uh, this is, got, if nothing, if anything is going to divide the country more, this is it. The American people are entitled to vote the candidate of their choice. Certainly, uh, to be, not to be denied that right, because the court is putting on an interpretation of the 14th Amendment that was never done before, and they're basing it on uh, a criminal charge that President uh, uh, Trump has ever even been charged with, never mind convicted. So it's dangerous, and uh, it shows how much the left—really, they, they misread this entire situation, because they're doing this to keep President Trump off the ballot, and yet his numbers go higher each time— uh, something like this is done so it's uh i mean do they fear
2: him that much i mean it seems like they fear him so much i mean to me let's have the election let the people decide yeah i mean if they're saying that
6: president trump uh wants to deny democracy or is a threat to democracy well to me the biggest threat to democracy of all is taking the opposition candidate's name off the ballot that's what goes on in third world countries so uh, and for New York to be even implying that they're going to try to go along with that is, is a disgrace. But that's not the only bit. That, you know, the worst thing that happened in New York this week, we had uh, Governor Hochul setting up a committee on reparations for slavery. I mean, this is, to me, just—it's uh, uh, so dangerous. It's going to set race relations back. And when you think of it, I mean, slavery was outlawed in New York in 1817. My uh, par- My grandparents, your parents' grandparents were— uh, living in Europe at that time, yeah. they had my my uh,
2: my great grandparents were were slaves to the Ottoman Empire. Should I get reparations from somebody? Well, that, that's the point. And where does say
6: end? To think of all the anti-Semitism that's involved, it's been in this country over the years, and the anti-Irish, the anti-Italian. I mean, all immigrant groups face it. Now, I agree, slavery was unique to itself, but think of also all the special programs over the years that have, have been advanced to assist Af- African Americans. And we can't be dwelling. We can't become permanent victims in this country. We have to. I mean, you think yeah, the signs of you know, no Irish need apply. There were neighborhoods that Jews weren't even allowed us to live in. <clears throat> Are they going to be also seeking reparations? No. The beauty of this country is that yes, we have mistakes, have made mistakes, but we do all we can to overcome them. And every group has had the opportunity to move forward. Maybe not always as fast as they like, but there's there's something about this country if it was so big bigoted and so discriminatory, how come millions of people are trying to sneak across the border to get in here? And many of them are people of color. So if we're so bigoted toward non-whites in this country, why are so many millions of non-whites trying to get into the country? Congressman uh,
2: King, we got a mess on our hands. I mean, uh, I hope 2024 brings uh, better how should we say it? Better uh, uh, results or better what?
6: And, and the only way that can happen, John, is you say we need common sense, we need people trying to work together and not make everything a conflict, everything a partisan fight, everything uh, somehow a fight to survival. If we can kind of work together, whether it's the mayor, the governor, the candidates for president, listen, there's real differences, we should resolve them, but do it in a uh, a, a normal way and a, a polite way if possible, and uh, not fight for the sake of fighting. There's enough real issues we can debate without just being unnecessarily partisan.
2: Congressman, your, your border, is it okay? I mean, uh, 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 um, the borders down in uh, uh, Texas, I mean, things are out of control there. Uh, I was talking to Bill O'Reilly the other night. He says 15,000 are coming through.
6: Yeah, and yeah, it used to be if it was 3,000, even during the Obama years, if it was 3,000 coming across, that was considered a national calamity. Now they're coming 12, 13, 14, 15,000 coming across the border. And that's what we know about. So you have to assume the number is even higher than that. Uh, I, I don't know how this, uh, uh, this, this has to end somehow. and I don't know how it ends good. Like, for instance, you know, uh, we were talking to May Adams the other night when he was on your show. And he's talking about 4,000 immigrants, illegal migrants coming to New York City every week. do so think of put all them? the money that's involved there. Where do you put it's, them? It's 30 uh, degrees out. Where do you out. find the money for them? And you know, again, you're, here we are laying off cops, laying off firefighters, and not hiring them, not hiring new ones, cutting back on their budgets, and at the same time paying out billions to house and feed and provide services for Thomas illegal School migrants King, that are here.
2: We're out of time, but I want to say Merry Christmas to your family. Enjoy your family. And that's what Christmas is all about. And we'll catch up again real soon.
6: Yes, sir. Merry Christmas to you and Margo. And thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, but someday... At Christmas time. Ooh, yeah. Someday
6: at Christmas time. Merry Christmas, everybody.
2: Merry Christmas. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catch Roundtable. Hmm. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost at your nose with us this morning we have Paul Zuber with the New York State Business Council and there's so many things going on in New York State that people are starting to get concerned uh, Paul Zuber what are you concerned about this week well I'm concerned um,
5: John with um, some of the mandates that are being passed down from the state in terms of our um, energy and environmental uh, policies in the state. I think one of the big things that have kind of caught everybody's attention recently is the requirement that by 2035, uh, all New York school districts will have um, school buses that are electric. And I think everybody would think that sounds great, but here's a big problem. It's about $400,000 is the cost of an electric school bus. Now, who's paying for all those school buses for a school district? Not only do you have the cost of the bus, which is $400,000, but because the buses are so heavy, because you have now you have electric vehicles where the batteries are almost the weight of a small compact car, the lifts in the garage that lift the school buses up so you can repair the school buses, they actually cannot do that anymore because the school bus is too heavy. So now not only do you have to, are you paying for the school bus, but now you're paying to retrofit the garage. And we haven't even gotten to the issue of creating charging stations throughout a school district to make sure that the buses can be properly charged to take kids to school.
2: I, I think they're being a little bit premature in the amount of money. I mean, uh, people are going away from electric vehicles right now, and, and uh, I'm not sure they're 100% reliable.
5: I, I agree with you, and I, and I think that that's a major concern, particularly in upstate New York. I mean, think about anybody who's listening to the show, whether you're from downstate or upstate or from another state, um, all you have to do is go into upstate New York and see the, the ups and downs and the hills and the mountains and the different terrain that you have to, to travel through. I think there's going to be a major concern whether those electric school buses are going to be able to do that. But now you're talking about a probably an extra $20 billion in costs um, for all the school buses in New York State to become EV school buses. I know that there is a school district... Um, near Albany that did an analysis of how much Changing to electric school buses is going to cost them. They came out with a total of 20 million dollars It's going to cost them 20 million dollars To be able to have electric school buses for that school district. So again, who's going to pay for that? We have a 2% salary cap in New York State There is no way to pay for that unless you pass it on to the taxpayers in some form Or the state comes up with some form of money to pay for it. And as we know right now, we're in a horrific um, budget crisis in New York State where we're looking at a huge deficit this year and a larger deficit next year and a year after and a year after. So this is becoming like a real problem. And again, it's adding on to this element in New York State that we're in an unlivable state and that telling our residents – well, you might as well go someplace else because we're going to hit you with all these taxes. We're going to hit you with all these different mandates. And it's not going to be for the betterment of you. It's not going to be the betterment of your family. It's actually going to cost you more money to live here. And so, why you know, we might as well just – we might as well take an electric school bus and let everybody jump on and then send them down to Florida because that's what we're doing right now.
2: It's, it's a mess. Um, there's so many other things going on. I, I know we're building a new building in, in the city, and they're demanding uh, 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 electric, uh, uh, electric everything, electric heating, electric yeah. uh, uh, electric uh, uh, stoves. I mean, what happens yeah. if something happens to uh, the, the grid? You can't eat because you can't cook. You can't the, the refrigerator is not going to work and it's not going to be And the building is not going to be heated
5: well that is actually that's, that's a huge problem John and it's something that has actually come up from the uh, New York uh, independent system operators those that's the group out there that actually looks at the grid and determines whether or not the grid is functioning in, in a proper manner they've already said that there are potential reliability issues right now because we're taking offline different forms of energy that don't fit into the the new climate you know uh, statute that we passed in New York so they're taking them off grid And we haven't actually connected all the transmission lines, the solar farms and the wind farms. And so what's happening as well is because of some of the most recent winter occurrences and because everybody wants to go electric, now the demand for electricity is increasing. So this is what's happening to you as a consumer. Your your bills are going to go up because you're building these transmission lines but the, the the pressure with wanting more electricity is now putting more of a burden on the system and the problem is in the winter time if we're going to potentially have brownouts it's a real problem because there's a difference between having a brownout in the summer and it's 90 degrees and you have to take a fan and you're sweating and you know it, it's it's miserable but it's dangerous when you have a brownout and it's 20 degrees outside And it's snowing. And that's where we're headed if we don't start thinking more um, creatively about how we want to enact this climate bill or statute that was passed in Albany. Uh,
2: It is very, very sad. And in in Albany, I can't can't understand why the the governor the other day uh, enacted a uh, a reparations uh, for uh, slavery i mean uh, where does this come from it's been outlawed in new york uh, new york uh, since 1817 yeah you know i i think that
5: you know it's going to be very important for the governor to make sure that that this commission that they're setting up is looking at the right things um i i i my concern with it really is I'm not sure that this thing has been thought out as well as it, as it should have been thought out. Um, I think there's still a lot of questions um, that need to be answered before moving forward with it. Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, if you, if you, it's kind of like one of those situations that, you know, she moves forward with it. You know, what's, what's, the, what's the ultimate outcome? Uh, how are we going, you know, what is the ultimate outcome going to be? Um, and I'm not sure we really kind of have a grip or understanding on that. So, you know, I, I think it's yet to be determined as to what will result from this bill and, and what will be the impact of this bill. Um, you know, I do think that it's something that, you know, needs a lot of, a lot of deep thought um, before moving forward.
2: Paul Zuber. Have a Merry Christmas, a happy holiday. Enjoy with your family and we'll catch up again, uh, real soon. All
5: right. Thank you, John. You as well.
2: Thank you. With us today is Senator Alphonse
1: D'Amato. Merry Christmas, uh, Alphonse D'Amato. How are you? Uh, very good, John. Let me wish you Merry Christmas and happy holiday to you and all of our, uh, listeners. And, uh, I think it's a great holiday uh, for Trump. They had a great victory after Colorado. What a terrible thing they did, trying to keep uh, uh, the former president from being on the ballot. Okay? Incredible. And the special counsel pushing to speed up the trial uh, to, to, to try to, to, to absolutely go after Trump And the court said, no, you can't speed up the process and go to the Supreme Court. You have to go first to the appellate court. And I doubt if the appellate court is going to speed it up. And if they do, I am certain that the Supreme Court will not. And so it's a victory for democracy, because what you have is the Biden administration and their Justice Department and this special counsel, out to sabotage Trump, and they are doing everything they can uh, to do that. They're looking to change the law, looking to, to thwart uh, the, the normal process, They just push it ahead. Let's get him in front of a, 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 a sympathetic Democratic jury, a Democratic judge. Let's get him convicted. Let's do it before the election. And that's what they're all about. That's not what the justice system in America is about. It shouldn't be used for partisan politics for any party, Republicans or Democrats. And the Democrats, with Joe Biden covering up for his son, covering up for his brother, covering up for the nonsense that he pulled off um, um, years ago and, and blackmailing, and actually blackmailing the Ukraine. And he said to them himself, he brags about it, unless you fire the prosecutors going after my son's company, he didn't say it was his son's company, but the company that he was on the border, Burmisa, um, within six hours, I'm leaving, I'm going back to the United States, and I'm taking the billion dollars that... We provided for you, and I'm taking it with me. That I, I is mean, crazy. Crazy. Now, I want to tell you, and I'm going to be very candid about it. You know what caused Trump the election? Tell us. His lawyer Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani absolutely sabotaged him. Why? He went to the Ukraine. He was trying to shake them down for himself. Okay? And the Ukraine. Or ejected him, and what did the Democrats do? They turned it around and said, "There he is. He's coming. He's trying to fix the case, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He didn't have to do that. All he had to do is show Joe Biden bragging in front of the Council on Foreign Relations. That's a group in New York, very prominent. When the former vice president, when he was out of office, was bragging. About how he went to the Ukraine and how he said to them, unless you fire this prosecutor, the prosecutor who is investigating his son's company, OK, in the next six hours, I'm leaving and I'm taking the billion dollars with me. And then he starts laughing. Ha, ha, ha. They fired him. That was the election. In, but what in is, front of, in really front of the... Uh... Or, he said and that- he screwed Trump. Yes. And by the way, he screwed him after the election. When he lost the election, instead of carrying on like a lunatic, instead of bringing all these cases in which he lost every single case, he'd had conceded. All his lawyers told him, you, you, you didn't win it. But Rudy, oh, no, oh, no. And he went on and he lost every single case. Mr. Giuliani hurt Trump. By the way, was he a good mayor? Yes, he was a good mayor. And I had him appointed as U.S. attorney, and he did a good job there, and he was a good mayor. Well, let me tell you, he lost it after that. He lost it, and he helped Trump lose the election.
2: Well, I'm very, very disappointed in that, and uh, I don't—the truth is, I don't know all the the facts in that case. John, you
1: know it's the case. And let me tell you something else. He's a two-faced person. Why? Republicans supported him. I supported him. And what did he do? And you know why, and I won't spell it out. But three weeks before the election for governor, when George Pataki, the Republican, was running against Andrew Cuomo, right, the governor, right, or Mario Cuomo, um, uh, Andrew's father, Three weeks before, he flies around the state campaigning for Cuomo. Why? Why? Because he didn't want there to be a Republican who was the number one in the state because he wanted to be number one. So that's our good friend Rudy Giuliani who finally got what he deserves because while he was a good mayor, he was a terrible person after that. Terrible. Well— Hopefully, That's my uh, summary.
2: Thank you, Alfonso D'Amato. And uh, well, it's Christmas. Merry I know Christmas. you agree
1: with me, but you don't want to say it. Merry Christmas. That I will say. The facts are the facts, and I wish you a happy holiday. I hope you feel better. I know you're you're, you're going some uh, through some some problems, but everybody does during this season. And uh, keep strong and keep doing a great job that your station does because thank you, you guys so much.
2: call them the way you see them god bless you and god you know merry christmas and we'll catch you up again in, in uh, next week thank you look forward to it this is the cats roundtable we'll be right back welcome back to the cats roundtable with us this sunday morning Uh, It's Rudy Giuliani. He was mayor of New York City for many years. So many things happened since then. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what the heck is going on in our country? (laughs) I'll tell you, uh, when me and you were growing up, we're almost the same age. uh, We used to read this stuff in the Bizarro Comics. Yeah,
7: this was stuff, you. uh, it was like science fiction or something, or, or 1984, or... Who knows what it was? Stuff that never could happen in America. Yes, and it's happening. I mean, what happened in
2: Colorado uh, with uh, uh, President Trump? They, why, why can't they wait to, to the actual election
7: to find out who wins? Because they don't want to. They, they want to cut them off. I mean, they're doing—you know, it's really strange, John. Maduro is doing in Venezuela exactly what Biden is doing in America. Uh, America said, we're going to give you money— If you have free and fair elections, he said, I'm going to have free and fair elections. And then he prosecuted the opposition and he's putting them in prison. I mean, that's what's happening. It's crazy. Uh, Somebody suggested, uh, I think it was Ari Fleischer, might have been on your show, I think, uh, that Republicans are thinking about doing it. Now, I don't think they should. But think about this, John. I could go to like Mississippi or Alabama or a Republican place. I could take all my reports about Biden and I could say, believe me, he's a crook. Yeah, and they'd say, "Okay, we believe you. He's a crook. Uh, he tried to overthrow the government with the Chinese, and therefore we're going to take him off the ballot." But that's that's what the court did. They took a, a biased report, the J six report, no Republican involved, no cross examination, nothing more biased than anything I ever did. But okay, let's say equally, and uh, Republicans could do that any anywhere, any time to Biden with all the stuff on Biden. You could take any of these things—the stuff he did in Ukraine. You could say it, it created an overthrow of our government, or a destruction of our government, or a rule of law, and, and a court—a biased Republican court—could take him off the ballot. Well, I wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that. Even even if we're against Biden, we wouldn't want that. No, no. If this were done to Biden, I'd be against it. I, I, I think agree you with would you. too. I no, know you Yeah, were. absolutely. We don't want look we,
2: we want fair and square elections and and we want uh, we don't want what's what's happening right now uh, why i mean i see what i can't see why can't they just leave it alone the election is only 11 months away
7: and let the people decide because no matter what they say they they're afraid of him winning and his breaking up their very cozy enormously profitable in amounts of money that shocked me. I never, when I started five, six years ago doing it, I had no idea how big this was. I mean, where, the, the alleged uh, bribe that's being hidden by Zelensky to the president of Ukraine for the deal that Biden is is between 50 and and $100 million, John. I never heard of a $50 or $100 million bribe. When I did bribery cases i put congressmen in jail for $50,000 bribes. <laughs> I feel almost... Who was the guy with the,
2: the frozen uh, $100 bills in his freezer? <laughs> right.
7: <laughs> well, Congressman Pardell went to jail for $40,000 yes. bribes. Biagi, I don't know, there was about thirty dollars or $40,000. I mean, the, Biden's, Biden got $31 million just from China. I mean, we're talking about money that, I guess, turns... You know you're an exceptional person. You've made an extraordinary amount of money. You have made it by hard work, and it's never turned you. It's never, it's never. No, I'm the, as Rudy, I'm the I same know, guy I, I was 30 years ago. Well, I can, I can, yeah. I can testify to that. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns people, doesn't it? I mean, you know, a lot of people, maybe people that came up like you and they haven't remained like you are. So money can corrupt, really horribly. I guess you know, we all know that, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, but it's so sad. Yeah. It is so sad.
7: Where do we go from here, uh, Mr. Mayor? Well, I mean, I think the election of 24 is, in fact, the mo- we always say this, but it's critical. I, d- I don't know where we go if we remain with this kind of corrupt government. And, and uh, if it's Trump or it's some other Republican, they got to be true to getting it done, to cleaning it out. We almost have to start fresh, like with the FBI, Particularly, those law enforcement agencies have to be straightened out, because they they can do horrible damage uh, to innocent people, and they do. And uh, we straighten those out. I think we're we're on the right road. Uh, if we don't, uh, we've got a like a dictatorship. It, it's it's worse than a third world country,
2: Mister um, Mayor. Uh, if we lose in twenty twenty four, we don't get the right counts, and we don't get, you know, and we just lose.
7: I ain't worried about our country. I I can't even imagine. I do, too. Uh, More than you you know, I wake up in the morning sometimes, and I can't believe we are where we are. And I just have to have faith. I pray to God, and I know God is looking over us, and this is uh, the day before Christmas. So he always has been there. We've had very hard times in America. You've had very hard times in your life. I've had hard times in my life. When when I found out what the court decision was, and I, I was sho- I was shocked. You know you know what I said to uh, to my friend. What? I said this isn't as bad as cancer. <laughs> I got over cancer, so I I know it wasn't as bad as being trapped on September 11th. Well, when they're suing you, and they
2: have a judgment against you for 148 million dollars, there's no way that you could pay that. And, no, and, and they probably knew it's that. It's a hor- just,
7: It's a horrible thing, but. Yeah. Uh, being there with Bernie Kerik and uh, 45 other people and not knowing whether we were going to get out and now knowing that we did was worse, right? Understood. I, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been there for the $145 million verdict if uh, the building fell the wrong way or the cancer had been worse. Absolutely. Well, uh, Mr.
2: Mayor, uh, I pray this Christmas. No, I pray for you uh, and I for pray Margo. For both of us, and I pray for... for uh, Uh, Your family, and you have a great kid. uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. John, you're a
7: wonderful man, and you have a wonderful family. Your children are brought up just in your spirit. They'll carry it on, and it's a blessing to know you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
2: If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, go to wabcradio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts. And play back your favorite segment. Thank you for being with us for the Catch Roundtable Local Edition, the number one show on Sunday mornings in New York. Keep listening to us for the Catch Roundtable National Edition between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. So we'll be back to you in a few minutes after the news.